0: Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. I'm very excited for this week's episode because we have an amazing interview Coming up with gentleman named Sean McDade, who is a CEO and founder of a company called People Metrics, and also wrote the book, Listen or Die, 40 Lessons to Turn Customer Feedback into Gold. And so we're going to be talking about getting feedback and listening to your customers. So I thought we'd kick it off with a lesson in uh, listening to our customers and getting their feedback. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, customers have always had a voice, but today that voice is much louder than ever. Great companies want to hear from their customers. They want their feedback. They want their opinions and anything else that will give them a competitive advantage to know what their customers are thinking so they can act on it and give them what they love and stop doing what they don't love. And great companies don't wait to hear from their customers. They actively solicit feedback in the form of, of surveys, and they have programs in place to ensure that they deliver an excellent experience that makes their customers want to come back again and again. So recently, I was asked about companies who have reaped rewards from surveying their customers and measuring their customer service, and a few excellent examples came to mind. Now, if you've been listening to my shows for a while or you've been reading any of my books, you know I am a huge, huge fan of of ace hardware and ace hardware is one of the best examples of a company that uses surveys and measurement to stay successful so uh, their network of privately owned stores and they are recognized for their helpful and I emphasize the word helpful customer service to ensure that they're meeting their customers expectations they pr- participate in mystery shopping where a high score will certify them as what ace refers to as ace helpful. Their goal is to be the most helpful hardware stores on the planet and there is a direct correlation between a high score And a successful store and they go up against big box stores like home depot and lowe's and menards it's basically a david versus goliath story and they use the concept of helpful which is their version of customer service to win and to their credit jd power and associates ranked ace hardware highest in customer satisfaction with home improvement retail sales For many, many years in a row. When I first was researching this article just maybe a year or two ago, it was seven years in a row. And I know since that time, uh, they have won again and again. Another great company, American Express, has had tremendous turnaround over the years, and they went from being a credit card company with typical complaints and customer dissatisfaction uh, to doing something greater, they started using a short survey question that measured their member satisfaction at the end of the call. By the way, they call their customers members. It's the well-known net promoter score question, NPS, as it's affectionately called. And it goes like this, on a scale of 0 to 10, what is the likelihood that you would recommend us? Now, the call center employees' bonuses are based on these scores. The management and executive bonus are also tied to the score and this is one of the most important metrics. It's not how fast they get through the call, it's how well they take care of their customer or member as they call them. They are now recognized as a top customer service company worldwide in any industry. Another one of my favorite examples is Enterprise Rent-A-Car. They also use the NPS survey. Over time, they became the number one car rental company in the world, not just in size, but also customer satisfaction. They acquired Alamo and National Rental Car, uh, which at the time of the acquisition, they were in the bottom half of the top 10 customer service companies in the car rental industry. Let me repeat that. The companies that they acquired, Alamo and National, were at the time of the acquisition in the bottom half of the top ten. Well, infusing the enterprise culture of customer service and using surveys to confirm what was working and what was not, they moved Alamo and National to being top performers into the top half. So uh, on the t- on enterprise, number one, Alamo move from and, and, and national move from being, you know, in six, seven, eight, nine or 10 up to being uh, three, four or five. Anyway, companies that track and measure their customer service have a competitive advantage. There's no doubt about that. They know when they're doing a great job. And more importantly, they know when they aren't. They take advantage of all the data they get, both the good and the bad. And they look for opportunities to take their customers experiences to the highest level possible they listen to their customers and the reward for this effort is more business from existing customers and new business from the excellent reputation that they create with their customers and in their marketplace all right so that's the lesson and we've got more to come I'll be right back with Sean McDade to talk about insights from his new book listen or die this is amazing business radio don't go away Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So, what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So, if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. I promised you a great interview, and we are going to have that. We have Sean McDade, Ph.D., the author of Listen or Die, 40 Lessons That Turn Customer Feedback into gold and he's been helping companies optimize their customer experiences for over 20 years. He's the founder and CEO of a company called People Metrics and they are a leading provider of voice of the customer software and services. He's a great guy I've been talking to him for the last few minutes uh, during our uh, break between our my monologue and this interview. So Sean, welcome to Amazing Business Radio.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here, Chef. Thank you for inviting me.
0: So you've oh, I'm so glad you accepted the invitation, and I'm so glad we yeah. connected. This is great. Uh, y- you know, I talked a little bit to you. You've got a lot of energy, and you're excited about this concept. Um, I love the book, Listen or Die. You can get that at mm-hmm. Amazon.com. I just want to know a little bit of background on yourself. You've been doing this for almost 20 years. Yes, sir. Sure.
1: Yeah. It's been a a while. And before that, um, before I had uh, people metrics, I've been doing people metrics since 2001, so 18 years. And before that, I worked for Gallup, the Gallup organization, doing some of the similar work. So I've been in this space for quite a while.
0: Wow. Well, you've been doing amazing things. So let's jump right into it. Quick little background on the book. Tell us a little bit about the book, and then I've got some specific questions. You've got some great chapters in here, which actually just, they're layups for great talking points to today's interview.
1: Sure thing. I mean, we've we've done so many listening programs for customers where we're helping them set up, uh, you know, listening posts or 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 channels where they can have listened to customers after an experience and figure out how well they're delivering that experience every time. Um, Because we know that the experience has to be consistent for it to be exceptional. Um, And you know, I kept getting questions around specific parts of how do you do this? Like, what questions do you ask, and how do we get senior leadership's buy-in, and and what do we do with the data, and how many people get this information should get this information and act on it that I felt like I was answering the same questions over and over again. I thought, well, why not put this in a book that's directly aimed at people who are responsible for listening to customers within organizations and then put it into an, a like a, a, a lesson format that's basically answers to a lot of the questions i've been getting so that that was the, the kind of the impetus behind the book and just in general, we believe, and I believe, um, how strongly on, on, you know, listening to customers is a huge competitive advantage, um, especially if done systematically and professionally. It, it gives companies a leg up in a very competitive in very competitive markets where there isn't a lot of differentiation in product or service. So, listening to customers can really be, be yeah. the,
0: the difference. Yeah. So let's let me ask. And by the way, I, I'm going to ask you a question about who's responsible for listening. The only reason I don't mm-hmm. want to forget, that's the question, but you said something that's really important that I want to emphasize. You said the experience has to be consistent for it to be exceptional, and I want to go back to that comment because that is a powerful statement. It's worth tweeting, by the way, <laughs> okay. because what that means to me is, and I've been preaching this, a little above average You know, that means you're a little beyond an expectation, a little bit above average. Not over the top, not like you're surprising and delighting me and blowing me away, but a little above average all of the time is what makes great companies great. Sure, you get that opportunity to go above and beyond when there's problems, but really it's the consistency that gives people confidence that makes people want to rate a company high and want to come back and do business with them again and again. All right, so great comment, but now I want to know. You said... um, you know, there needs to be people listening. Who are the people that should be listening to this feedback? Who are the right, whose responsibility is it?
1: Well, I mean, usually it, it lives, if the if company is big enough, they'll have a customer experience department, um, but normally it would run through marketing um, because marketing is essentially, or operations. It could be through operations. It all depends on how the organization, organization is structured. Um, for smaller companies, um, you know, there has to be an impetus behind listening through through the leadership team and you know even ceo needs to be hey we need to be consistently listening to customers on a regular basis bigger companies have departments that are that are responsible for that and then are held accountable for how those metrics however they're determining whether the, feed, the, the customer experience is good through the listening. A lot of times they're held accountable for those numbers, like net promoter score or another measure of, of, of customer experience.
0: Right. So the bottom line is this. We're going to get this feedback. We're going to either get it through a formal survey. We're going to get it through yep. our good people on the front line bringing back commentary uh, from the feedback they're getting from the customers. Somebody in the organization needs to be listening to this, and I don't care if it's somebody in operations, Mm -hmm. if it's in marketing, if it's specifically the chief customer experience officer in a larger company. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to take charge and do something with it because all this data without doing anything with it is just a complete waste of time for everyone. And ultimately, if you don't listen, according to a book, you will die. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and, I, and there's a, there's a lot of examples of that. I mean, there's dramatic examples, right? Like Blockbuster and Radio Shack, and, and, and oh, yeah. companies that just didn't see, didn't appreciate what customers wanted and wanted the experience to be. But I think you know those are those are examples everybody knows. But every day there are companies who, when they're listening to a customer with an important touch point, so that's that's one of the really I think key points in the book that you really have to figure out and choose your, your spots of when you want to listen. So, um, you know, the common touch points are things like, you know, someone goes online to purchase something or someone comes into a store to, to buy something or someone calls your contact center and has a conversation around, you know, a bill or whatever, but you have to pick kind of when do you want to listen? And then once you do that, then you have to align the organization to, to get behind that and respond to that feedback. Um, it's not good enough just to listen and say, okay, 80% of our customers are satisfied with their with, with their call to the contact center, because what that means is 20% weren't, and great companies follow up on every one of those 20% who were not satisfied with that experience, and they find out why, and they make it right with that customer, and they fix the common reasons why that experience wasn't what it needed to be. I mean, Maybe the whole time was too long. Maybe the customer service rep did not have the knowledge or whatever it is. But that's really the key. And that's how you really get ROI, I believe, out of of listening to customers.
0: Yeah. You know one of the things I hate to hear more than anything when somebody says, oh, people always complain about that. I'm thinking to myself, why are they always complaining? Like, didn't the first 25 times you heard it, didn't you think maybe we should do something about it? (laughs) I just uh, – and I know this interview is coming out after the article. I just wrote an article. It's going to appear, I believe, next – no, it actually uh, appeared uh, today, I think. And I had a cartoon, and I always do a cartoon with my newsletters every week. And the little, you know, it's just a little image, and this one was three guys, or it was two men and a woman sitting around a boardroom table. And one guy says, you know, I, I why do customers keep complaining about this? You know, how do we get, uh, you know, why does this happen? And I can't remember the exact words, but then the next person said, you know, or how can we get this to stop? And the guy said, "We'll just keep letting them complain, and eventually the customers won't come back, and voila, there's no more complaints. <laughs> And the third person says, uh, "I don't think that's the answer we were looking for." But isn't that what's happening? When people always complain about this, then then stop it.
1: <laughs> you know? That's yes, that, that is amazing. That does happen, but it really shouldn't. That's the other thing is it's such a huge opportunity when customers complain. Like I tell that to my clients all the time. Don't feel bad that you have a certain percentage that aren't happy with their experience. They sh- you should be glad about. You should be really happy because you can dig into why that is make it right with those individual people and then start working to make sure that that doesn't happen again. That's like that's gold. Yep. To talk like in my book, that is gold.
0: So I want to push on a little uh, I'm not pushing back but I want to push up, I guess,
1: sure is thing. is
0: yeah. that there's you mentioned those are the 20% you listen to those you go after every one of them. That's what the great companies do. Yeah. I also believe it's important to go after your your happiest customers as well and find out like what is it that you love about us and I always like to ask the one thing question, and you can word it a number of different ways, but, mm-hmm. but lately, since my whole focus is on convenience with this new book, uh, the idea is, you know, what's one suggestion that you can think of that would make doing business with us more convenient? Now, you're asking your happy customers that one thing Absolutely. question, and you're then you're going, okay, if, and I'll just use simple numbers, if we asked 100 customers that question, and one person comes up with an idea that, oh, it's a little off the wall. We don't, that, that's an outlier. But what if 22 of them come up with the same one thing? Holy cow. Now we've got something yeah. we can work off of and build off of. So uh, even though we want to always listen to what's making people unhappy to reduce friction, get rid of those pain points, find out what people are loving about us. And if we aren't really, I mean, sometimes we're, we're doing it and we don't even realize we're doing it as well as we do it. And we need to be more conscious about it
1: you know i could not agree with you more when when companies invest in in what we call voice of the customer programs usually they do it because they say okay i can reduce churn because i can figure out how many people are complaining about a certain experience and follow up and make sure that they they don't leave us right that's kind of that's how they sell it to their cfo <clears throat> but the real value in the programs is what you said it's identifying your best customers figuring out why they love the company And in certain cases, and we've had clients do this, leveraging the best customers to gain even more referrals as well as upsell opportunities by knowing that they are promoters, for instance. And we have a client where every time there's a promoter that's identified on the survey, they have their sales rep call them and thank them for filling out the survey they end up having a conversation with this person, and inevitably, a you know, one out of two times, there's talk about additional products or services they might be interested in, or a referral.
0: Yeah, that's so, the way to I mean, leverage it. You should, and, yes. and so many people don't take advantage of those happy customers. And by the way, the words "taking advantage" isn't meant. You're not no. taking advantage of the customer. You're taking uh, advantage of knowledge about. Their happiness and saying, hey, what can we do to be better for each other? And by the way, it, it comes down to this if I can do better for my customer who's already happy with me, we're trying to go beyond a vendor relationship and create a partnership with each other. Mm-hmm. And that could be that an, right. a B2C or B2B. All right, so we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I've got a number of other questions I want to talk about. Uh, customer centricity. I want to talk about the difference between customer experience and customer service. And let's see how much uh, more time we have to talk about some of the other great things that are in the book, Listen or Die by Sean McDade, the CEO and founder of People Metrics. This is Amazing Business Radio, and we will be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information all you have to do is go to my website, hiken.com That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the Shepherd Letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Sean McDade. So much to talk about, uh, but part of a big, you know, even, I think it's even your first chapter in the book, lesson one, everyone wants to be customer-centric, but no one knows what that means. Well, no one until today, because you're going to tell us.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I Every corporate website or um, you know report talks about either customer focus or customer centricity. It's mm-hmm. it's it's almost it's almost ridiculous. But the, the funny thing is, employees within the organization, most of them have no idea how they and the organization can really be customer centric. And and the fundamental way we believe that an organization can be, or at least begin to be, is listen to customers consistently, and then using that feedback. To do some incredible things within the organization. Because when you're, when you're customer-centric, your people at the organization have to feel that. They have to feel like the customer means something. Mm-hmm. The customer's experience is important. And one of the ways that our clients um, use customer feedback in a way to make them more customer-centric than you, you might not have imagined is that when a customer has a great experience, we ask them on the survey, typically, did anyone within the organization provide a wow or unexpected experience for you this time, this this past visit or this past um, whatever? And if they say yes, we ask them who it was and what did they do? And our clients then will recognize that person on a consistent basis by saying, hey, kudos, great job. And then on an annual basis, most of them calculate who uh, had the most what we call recognition alerts from the customer and they are customer experience ambassadors and they're recognized across the organization as someone who is truly helping that organization become customer centric. Wow. That's that's real customer centricity. That isn't a corporate slogan. That's using the customer's voice and experience to recognize your people who are delivering experiences. And nothing and, makes and somebody feel yeah.
0: better than to be recognized and uh, that's a whole nother concept, customer engagement, or I mean employee engagement and recognition and motivation. but so uh, your definition of being customer-centric, what, what is it? Yeah. to sum it up?
1: It, yeah, it, it's consistently listening to customers and then empo- empowering your organization to take what they're saying and do something about it. Mm. Yeah. That's really what customer centricity is to me, because it's putting the customer at the center of your company yep. and not just talking about it, but truly listening to them and, and enabling
0: your people to follow up. Yeah, so back in 2001, I wrote a training program based on my speaking content on customer service called The Customer Focus. And when people said, well, what is the customer, if you had to define the customer focus or a co- customer focused company, what would it be? And it's simply this I think what you said is very, very true as well. And maybe they're basically saying the same thing, but my thought was every decision that you make keeps the customer in mind. Even yep. bad, even decisions that won't make the customer happy, you at least take them into consideration when you're making this decision. And by the way, the only way you'll know if the customer would be happy or won't be happy is because you are listening to the customer. So it all kind of ties together. Mm-hmm. If I decide, you know what, we need to discontinue an item. Yeah, but there's so many people that are are you know, still using it. And I'll give you an example. You talked about Blockbuster, and we know who disrupted Blockbuster, Netflix. Okay. And by yeah. the way, Netflix offered to sell themselves to Blockbuster, I believe, for $6 million at one point which is like now they're worth billions. But uh, that's another story. But it's really interesting that Netflix is a subscription company, and you subscribe, and at the beginning they would send you, you know, DVDs, and then you would mail them back. And eventually technology took over, and now it's a streaming service, right? You, you yeah. can go on. You've got a good Wi-Fi signal. You'll be able to watch all the movies and TV shows you want for the rest of your life. They have so much content. But there are still several million customers out there that don't have Wi-Fi strong enough. And guess what Netflix did? They didn't turn their back on them. They still send those people DVDs. Probably don't have the same selection as you would with the streaming. But what do you, I mean, I think that's totally customer focused. And I think it's almost uh, to a point where it is above and beyond what most companies would do.
1: Yeah, that's exceptional to, to... You know, we talk about customer personas and they definitely have several and they use the customer persona that they knew needed that that additional unique service and continued it. It's 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 an incredible example of customer focus.
0: All right, let's shift to the concept of customer experience and customer service. Yep. Uh, yep. they're not the same. You need mm-hmm. to know the difference. So what is the difference?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people use them interchangeably, and 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 for, I understand that. And there's a lot of components um, of the customer experience that involve customer service, right? So, like having a customer talk to another human, or you know, get information online if that's the way they're they're offering the, the customer service to solve some sort of problem, right? And and that's that's absolutely true. But the customer experience is everything the customer experiences with your company. And that's what I would challenge people to think about when they think about the customer experience, including if you're, say, in a B2B environment and you have salespeople, the customer experience begins when your salesperson first reaches out to the prospect and makes promises of what the experience is going to be like once they purchase or once they, they sign on, right? And then they sign on and then experiences happen with both um, people in terms of service as well as products as well as other items, websites, right? which does, has nothing to do with customer service. Right. When people think of a customer experience, I like to think of it as consistency across all touch points that a customer has with the organization.
0: Yeah, and, and so that, I, it's a yeah. perfect way of saying it. I think it's consistency on what the company wants the customer to experience with any part of the organization. So, yes, if there's uh, – and that's why I get frustrated when when a company says, yeah, we, we have several channels our customers can reach out to us on and do the ex- – are the expectations on each of these channels met? You know, they don't have to be the same. You know, it may – if somebody sends an email, they may not expect a 30-second reply. If somebody types in to a chat bot, they would expect a quick answer, you know, within a matter of seconds. But uh, – so the expectations are different. But the question is, do – At any of these channels, are they meeting the customer's basic expectations, even though they all may be different? I know that sounds complicated. But the other comment, uh, customer service is a department in some companies, and that's what you're referring to here. It's like that's where you call when you you need help. I believe customer service is a philosophy that's embraced by everybody Mm -hmm. because even the people on the front line who deal directly with customers – yeah, they're, they're in the trenches, so to speak, but everybody is supporting something going on that's going to be felt by the customer. Hence, I do believe customer experience is a much broader term where service may be just a percentage of it, but it's every touch point, every moment, every interaction, and every person in that company, I don't care if they're in the warehouse, if they're cleaning the, the bathrooms, they have some responsibility to that end user's experience.
1: Without a doubt it's a mindset
0: yeah exactly it's a mindset
1: it's a customer oriented service oriented mindset you know how can I serve the customer today and it's it's absolutely true and my point with the with the expansion of customer experience is there's now non people oriented touch points that customers consider part of their experience that are not service oriented right but, you know websites apps products, physical products, right? How they experience those things determine their overall experience, no matter how great, say, the service or the people were that they interacted with. And yeah, it's just, it's just a broader concept. But your point about mindset and, and mentality is huge.
0: Yeah. So think about what, uh, when I first opened, uh, not even the iPhone way back, uh, it was the iPod. and that was this little little thing that looked like an iphone that just all it did was hold music i went and i just opened the box and go how cool is this forget about what's inside the box just the whole box and the packaging and steve jobs was smart enough to recognize that this is part of that whole experience and i made an investment into a real estate group and they sent me a report and this report was amazing it wasn't beautiful it wasn't pretty It had some pictures, but it wasn't glossy. But what it had was all the information I would need in a format that was easy for me to digest. And all it did was confirm that I made the right decision to do business with this company and make these investments. So, all right. I love this line. Uh, If you want a consistent experience across all touch points, you must ask for feedback at each one. So go ahead and share. Yeah, I know. Share your insights there. I mean, there's a whole part of your book devoted to this.
1: Yeah, I, it it's it's really about it's the the major touch points if you're looking for consistency. You can't guess whether one of them is is delivering a great customer experience and not have some formal listening program mm-hmm. starting. Now, I do we all recommend to start somewhere, right? So you you shouldn't listen to everything in the very beginning. You should choose your most important one where you feel like if this did not go right, I would lose customers. Like that's the question I always pose to our clients. So what a great the, uh, okay.
0: That is yeah. another tweetable moment here. If <laughs> repeat yeah. it because this is powerful.
1: Yeah. If this touch point does not go right, we will lose customers. Yep. Meaning, if our if when they walk into our store, if that experience isn't great, they're not coming back. Or if they when they call our our contact center. Um, if they don't feel like they had their issue resolved, they're probably not coming back. Or if, it's, if you're a web digitally driven business, if it's a website, it's whatever the most important touch point is, and then you start there. But you can't end there, right? Once you sort of have that humming, then you have to think about, well, what other ways are our customers you know, interacting with us? And then choose the next one that you think would cause you the biggest pain for your business if it went poorly and right. start listening there.
0: So good point. Just one at a time. Don't try to tackle them all at once.
1: Correct. It's it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, it, uh, but you know, the bigger companies have listening posts with all the touch points. Um, if, you, if you're just beginning, start slow, get one right, and then gradually expand from there.
0: Yep. Greatness doesn't happen overnight. So we are yeah. almost to the end of our program, and I always ask the one thing question at the very end, and that is one thing you would like to emphasize that we've talked about, or is there one little extra nugget that you absolutely want this audience to hear before we end the show. Sean, what would that be?
1: I would say that, just reemphasize what we were talking about. Everybody has customers, or we wouldn't be in business. Mm. Your relationship with that customer determines whether they're going to be loyal and purchase from you again and say great things about you or not. Not listening to them on a consistent basis is equivalent to not counting your money on a consistent basis. Because one leads to the other. Yeah. So you that would be my like you have to take this seriously. This isn't a this isn't optional. Everyone needs to listen to customers on a systematic and regular basis.
0: All right. Listen or die. 40 lessons that turn customer feedback into gold by Sean McDade PhD, available on Amazon. He's the CEO and founder of People Metrics. If you want to learn more about People Metrics, it's just what peoplemetrics.com? Yes it is. There you go. Thanks for being on the show, Sean. You're awesome. You're amazing. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Great insights, great lessons, a great episode. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Thanks for listening. We'll have another interview next week. So until then, Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing.